You're listening to Playback, a Variety podcast. I'm your host, Variety Awards editor Chris Tapley. What's playing at the Museum of Modern Art in New York City? From now until January 12th, it's the Contenders 2017, MoMA's annual series of the year's most influential and innovative films. Bound for awards glory or destined to become a cult classic, these are the ones you really have to see on the big screen. Check out the whole schedule and all the other awesome films that are playing at moma.org slash film. I'm good, man. Yeah? Tired. Where are you coming from? Uh, Eagle Rock. It's easy. He's coming because of 18 months old. That was going to be our next question. How old's your kid? (laughs) 18 months and screaming and running around. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I haven't seen this since yet. He screams and runs around. That's a good sign if they're screaming and running around. (laughs) Yeah, that's what my barber said. I was telling him about it. I was like, man, he's screaming all the time and I can't figure it out. He says, oh. That's because that means he's healthy. Yeah, oh, exactly. That's, that's true. That's true. I guess. Oh my god, that's good. The coffee. coffee is so good. Oh, that's good. You want coffee? I'm good. Thank you, baby. Doesn't work on the cleanse. I'm afraid. How are you doing? The cleanse? Oh no. Let's not talk about. We that. thought about doing that. Karina and I. We were. She actually got these soup cleanse. She got and we we ordered it and it showed up and it landed right in the middle of when I started traveling to do all That's this. The stuff. Worst. So it's just been sitting just in the waiting on you. Yeah. Soup See how long no, soup you, you know who turned me on to this one was Guillermo del Toro. Oh, really? What's, which it's one just, is it? It's called Clean. Is this the one? Because Edgar right is doing one too. It's is it? What is it? What's the deal? Is it where you it's, eat it's lunch, but it's like shakes for dinner, and shake for breakfast? breakfast and yeah. I think this might be the one that Edgar's yeah. done. Yeah, it was. It's it one of Paltrow approved. Oh, it's it's <laughs> goop, like a goop thing. Goop yeah. approved. Totally. How long have you been on it? Uh, this is day eight. Oh my god, how you feeling? I feel good, man. Yeah, I feel great. Really? There's a all jump right. in my step. You know, all right. maybe I gotta try That's it. What I needed at the end of the year, I think. A prey laguerre. I'll give it a shot. <laughs> So we're here with Ryan Johnson, director of Star Wars The Last Jedi, also director of Looper, which, as he knows, is one of my favorite movies. Oh, you. Hey, Chris. That movie blew me away. Oh, thanks, man. I was in New York that year, actually. That was the year we lived in New York. Yeah. Saw it at the Sony room there. Yeah. Downtown. Yeah. Love that movie, dude. So as soon as I knew you were tapped for Star Wars, I was like, this is perfect. Mm. They tapped me. I got (laughs) tapped. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Uh, we're going to talk about as much as we can. Bring it. These these movies are shrouded in secrecy. Is anything that difficult? You, anything I mean, you want to know, man? Come on, let's oh, just okay, see let's what do happens. It. Let's see what happens. When is when is, <laughs> when is Darth Plagueis showing up? <laughs> <laughs> Darth who? Uh, yeah, you know it's it's weird. It's like a double edged sword because um, I've been traveling around, starting to do press the last couple of weeks, but nobody's nobody's seen the movie yeah. yet. Uh, I can't talk about anything. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? So, it, uh, I mean, on the one hand, it's it's it is uh, this little dance you have to do. On the other hand, it's slowly it's become the norm over the past few weeks. So I'm kind of used to it. So now I'm getting nervous about after people actually see the movie, and I'll have to actually talk about <laughs> yeah. have, have to explain myself <laughs> yeah absolutely that's an interesting way to go about it though. yeah I, uh, I can't imagine how exhausting 
this kind of thing has been the last oh, few it, weeks. You've been traveling around the it, world. It and beats real work. That's true. Yeah. That's what I like to say. It beats working. Yeah. Uh, but how is it comparing to what you maybe expected? I mean, you had mm-hmm. to have expected a certain level of exhaustion coming into a big piece of machinery like this. But how mm-hmm. is it? How is the whole thing different than what you I thought? I got to say, man. I mean, yeah, I didn't know what to expect because it was, you know, it's my first time doing any doing a studio movie, full stop, you know, and it's, obviously it's like, you know, just scale-wise, there's nothing quite like it, so there's nothing I had done that was even close to it, obviously, so I really didn't know what to expect. I gotta say, um, I mean, in terms of just process, uh, the, the biggest surprise was how similar it was to my previous movies that I've made, how it really wasn't it sounds so strange to say it really wasn't that different you know i mean um because i think the machine is so well tuned it's a big machine but it's such a well crafted (laughs) and oiled machine and by that i mean the people who uh the heads of department and all the people they're so good at their jobs the analogy I keep making is it's not like Chaplin in modern times kind of stuck in this a cog in this big machine. It's more like Pacific Rim where you get in the bodysuit and the brain <laughs> and this massive machine perfectly follows your movements and can get you what you want. And that's how the whole thing felt to me. So um, the truth is, I mean, it was a long shooting schedule. It was like 110 days, so there is just like the marathon element of it. But um, – I don't know. You're exhausted whether you do that or a 20-day shoot. Maybe more exhausted after a 20-day shoot. You yeah. Know? Um, and now, right now, I don't, I don't feel tired. I feel, I don't know, I feel energized. Maybe it'll hit you in February. I think it will. <laughs> or maybe, yeah, or maybe December 15th I'll just <laughs> collapse. Uh, you started shooting this just in the immediate wake of Force Awakens and the impact that it made, massive box office around the world, hugely successful. Uh, did that, just talk about whether that felt like it elevated the stakes for you at all? Well, there's, I mean, when Force Awakens came out, we were in prep, and there was definitely kind of a little gasp and a little, you know, the spotlight kind of turned on us briefly, and we went and, like, did, like, a quick, like, oh, okay, let's make sure the script is as tight as it can be, and we went back in and did a little polish to it. And um, But, you know, I mean, I, I think for me the, the big thing that I'm thankful for looking back is that I wrote the script before the movie came, before Force Awakens was even really made. They were shooting it while I was making the script. So I got the best of both worlds. I got to just personally react to the story and the script and what I was seeing the actors bringing to the parts and the dailies. And I got to put that personal reaction into it without having to even try to filter all the the world's reaction to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then once we had the script, I mean, the truth is that's kind of the movie that we made was that script. And so once you've got that, um, you know, you can feel the pressure, but it's not going to really, it's not like it's going to change really what you're, what you're doing, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you say that the the script that you wrote is the movie you made because, you know, handful of filmmakers have struggled a little bit within the Lucasfilm system and you seem to have just been able to hit the ground running and really just crank out the exact vision that you intended to and I'm just why do you think that is well I don't know I mean you know it's it's I mean first of all I'll just say you know other other people's 
sets or movies are like other people's marriages. You know, you mm. got to be very if you if you're judging them from the outside and you think you have an idea of what's happening in them, you're you're probably wrong. So it's and I was not in any of those processes, so I I, I can't speak to them at all. You know, but uh, just speaking to what I the process I went through, I don't know. We we uh, you know I'll say that I was I was. I had an incredibly good time with Kathy Kennedy and Lucasfilm and also with Disney. Um, Bob Iger, Alan Horn, and Alan Bergman, they've been just terrific collaborators who have just given me – I've felt not only just creative freedom but really protected to kind of pursue what I wanted to do with this story. Um, so, I mean, that's the whole reason we're doing this new trilogy actually is – just because we had such a good time working with these folks. My producer, Ram, and I were like, we, we should keep this going. This is a really good thing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, I mean, I know that we we all got on the same page from the very start. The script that we delivered, um, you know, uh, everyone was into it, and I think we all had conversations, and I was I communicated what it was that I really wanted to make, and they were on board with that. So I think we all started pointing in the right direction. And I think um, – and also just, you know, we, we all had kind of a bond of trust coming into it. Everyone felt really good about each other, and we just got off on the right foot. And I think that where you start, I think, just is really what informs the entire process. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I also just – and I've always, you know, there's, I think that there's kind of the perception sometimes. I know I had this from the outside before I worked on a studio film like this that um, that it is a big kind of controlling machine, and maybe in some cases it is, but um, uh, but not in this case. And the truth is, even with independent film, I mean, everyone, anyone who's made an indie film and has a financer who financed it or has a producer who's pre- or something knows that. You know, it's not like with an indie film, you get to just freely do whatever you want without any conversations or negotiations. If anything, on some of the, you know, on the smaller films that I've made, there have been more difficult waters to navigate than on this one. Um, you always have to come into it, and just part of the skill of making a movie is not just how to navigate the waters of all the people you're working with, but how to how to set the relationships from the start so that it's not antagonistic but so that it's um, you always frame everything which because it's the truth of we're all on the same team we're trying to make a great movie and the truth I mean obviously that's only possible if the people you're working with are good folks who want that to happen but mm-hmm. if that is possible that's what you're trying to do at the start you know yeah when you did come in and you said you know this is the movie I want to make just in the broadest terms, I guess, what was like the big idea that you wanted to introduce to this universe? Well, the uh, you know my pitch to Kathy was basically you know if the first movie was introduction, this movie is training, but that doesn't mean like you know necessarily Yoda style training or a training montage. To me, what that means is it's the movie where we test each one of the characters and we find the hardest possible thing they could come up against and we throw it at them. It's just like the second act of any movie. It's where the complications come in and everyone gets stumbling blocks thrown in their way. And, you know, that's how you define characters, how characters react, what they do when they hit the toughest thing that's coming at them. So um, in my mind, taking these characters who I think it's, 
small miracle with JJ and you know Larry and Michael were able to create with that first movie the fact that they created these characters who came to life so vividly and who stuck every single one of them you know so well up on the screen um, and you can see it reflected in in the culture how, how those new characters hit it's it's amazing there's a reason for it they're really good introductions to these characters um so yeah, I think someone put it to me like the sandbox is back. Like, yeah, exactly. That's how it felt. Well, that's a tonal thing also, I think, that J.J. really pulled off, uh, which I is something I really consciously wanted to carry forward, you know. Um, the the And especially knowing that it was going to be, um, you know, because it's the middle chapter and we got to do this challenging of everyone, it was going to go to some more intense places. I was really conscious that I wanted to – I loved the tone from The Force Awakens. I thought it captured the original movies in this great way. And I was really conscious I wanted it to be fun and funny and, um, you know, all the things a Star Wars movie should be. I didn't want it to descend into heaviosity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in many ways, Star Wars is its own aesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but were you interested at all in introducing – New visual concepts, new visual language. Uh, were, were there reference points? Was there anything in art or photography that you want that you kind of? The ultimate question being, what did you want your Star Wars movie to look like? I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I mean, you don't come into it thinking, ah, how do I shake this up? You come into it just thinking, yeah. like, ah, how do I make this feel like Star Wars? But once you get into it, I mean, there are a lot of things that that. Uh, there are a lot of things that factor into uh, it being a balance of those two things you talked about. Um, you have a lot of conversations with ILM. We had a couple of key designers at ILM. Um, Kevin Jenkins was one of them. James Klein was another, uh, who we worked with on a lot of the concepts for some of the bigger design pieces. And you you find folks um, pretty quickly who just kind of have a innate sense of, of something that feels Star Warsy, mm-hmm. and it's tough to really like nail it down and put it in words. But there is just a feel um, that uh, you can take. It's not futurism. That's that's the that's kind of the trap. Is is anytime a new designer would come in and they would they would want to push it forward the problem is when you you know pushing it forward 9 times out of 10 meant it started looking like um not to denigrate this cuz it's beautiful design but it started looking like marvel movie spaceships where it's you know lots of holograms and glowing surfaces mm-hmm. or it started looking like an apple store you know <laughs> um and it's futurism it's like pushing forward into like what feels modern now and star wars is is not that it's a it's a period film you know and the period is this world that we loved when we were watching the movies as kids mm-hmm. anyway um so there's you find designers who are good at just kind of capturing that but and i think this is a healthy thing you know uh when i came in a lot of the designers i was working with had just had worked on force awakens a lot of them had also done work on rogue one They've been working. They've been just doing nothing but Star Wars for the past few years, and so it's almost like you know, um, you know, get wanting to give, you know, give everyone like fresh water. You know, it it feels you just to keep them creatively engaged and invigorated. It does feel good to come up with challenges of okay, here's something we've never seen in a Star Wars movie before. What's the Star Wars version of this? You know, mm-hmm. um, and it's you know you can't just tag old bases because mainly because that's boring for the team that's making the movie. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and it's interesting, too. I mean, like, 
David Tattersall is the only DP that shot more than one Star Wars movie. I mean, yeah. every, every movie's had its own kind of visual author in a way. Dan Mendel, yeah. Greg Fraser, and Steve Yedlin for you on your on on the the new films. Uh, and I've all, you know, it's, it's always been fascinating to me how the there's a definitive shift in the visual language of Empire versus Star Wars. With uh, mm. was it uh, Peter? Shitsky came in to, to shoot that mm. one, mm. and you know that that's kind of what I'm curious about is just yeah finding that different flourish yeah you know well uh, and, and just I'll add to it just you yeah. talked a little bit about this in the run up but like the color red for instance sure talking yeah, about color yeah. palette yeah well just generally I mean you know Steve and I and we've you know my cinematographer Steve Yedlin we've been best friends since we were 17 years old we met. You know, I was a freshman in film school. He was a, still a senior in high school, and we met as like PAs on a student film set at USC. So, um, it, so we've been we've known each other a long time. Um, we looked at Empire as our main visual reference um, in terms of the Star Wars movies, um, just because it's the closest to our taste in terms of. I mean, it's the most just plain, flat out beautiful of all the films, I think, and the lighting in it. Um, the the way that the lighting was genuinely daring, the way they let faces go dark, the way they let you know uh, places be shadowy, the way that they didn't compromise, um, I think it's gorgeous. Um, yeah. But then also, you know, we also at the beginning of it, and this was something I gave some thought to, you know, faced both with lighting and also, but mainly with camera. The question of do I look at the old, at the older films and try and somehow mimic the visual style, which was not a ton of camera movement, kind of locked down, a more formal sort of um, approach. And I, you know, I quickly decided no, I can't do that. Like it's it, this movie, you know, those movies were shot that way because that felt right to the people who were making them, and that felt. And for me, I I gotta shoot it in a way that's gonna feel like the gears are gonna catch on in my head for this movie. Mm-hmm. Has to get me excited. What we're doing visually on set every day. Yeah. And same with Steve. You gotta, you know, you gotta make a movie that feels exciting to you. They're also a product of their era in that way. You know? Sure. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Not that you want your movie to necessarily feel like everything else that's in theaters, but there is kind of like this... Yeah, I mean, they're a product of the filmmakers who are a product of their... Yes, indeed, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about Carrie Fisher. Um, You know, we've often heard about her talents as a script doctor. So uh, my curiosity for you is what kind of invaluable input did she bring Mm -hmm. to uh, the project for you? Well, I mean, that's how we connected was as writer. You know, she was a writer first and foremost. I think that she... um, you know, she, in my experience with her, you know, performing was was on camera was, you know, the thing she was least comfortable with. She was more she loved writing and she loved words and she, um, uh, and so I mean I, I you know I after I wrote the script I would come over to her house we did this a few times I would just sit with her for hours go over every scene and not that we would like totally rewrite the scenes or anything but she what she loved she actually she loved jokes she loved puns she loved <laughs> wordplay she loved and so she at every single line she would just throw out three thousand possible jokes or puns that could happen and you know in nine times out of ten two thousand and nine hundred and ninety nine of them were unusable and then there would be that one that was just like oh my god that's pretty cool let's do that uh, and then, but then there were, you know, 
There was um, one scene in particular that was, you know, uh, that involved uh, Laura Dern's character where the three of us got together and kind of did rework the scene from the ground up. And that was um, that was pretty amazing getting gang to actually work with Carrie on a uh, on a scene and, mm-hmm. and finding the emotional beats of it. And it's I mean, it's one of the scenes in the movie that I just yeah, that uh, yeah, I think that deemed it's, it's really special. Um, anyway. What do you think you learned from her? Uh, I mean, I mean, it's not like you know, it's it's not like a here are some lessons that I learned from her or anything like that. I think she, I, I learned. I mean, she she just had this sense of she just had a playfulness and she had a. Um, I guess you know, it's it's just a reminder that the. The only sin in writing really is being boring, and mm. Carrie was incapable of being boring. And, you know, aside from taking lessons from the way that she lived uh, her life openly and, and honestly and was just, you know, um, constantly just living in uh, living in that mode and without shame, I think that's something you can take a lesson from. In terms of writing, I mean, just the – it's less a lesson. It's less a lesson. It was more just – drawing inspiration from how uh, amped up she was about making words sing, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, she ju- it just, you could see her eyes start to glow when she <laughs> hit, like, <laughs> when she found a new phrase and she was just, you know, saying it and you could see, like, this. that was like food to her, you know? <laughs> That's inspiring, man. Uh, you know, in the first film, we didn't get a whole lot of her. Uh, so, you know, what did she bring ideas to like fully more fully flesh out who this character has been for her like I'm just curious what she brought to the table in terms of these are these ideas I have yeah about this character that's meant you know plenty to her in her career mm. and that she's now tackling again later in life did yeah. she have like did she come forth with ideas for that well uh, I mean she one thing that she was really conscious of was what Leah meant to girls she mm-hmm. was really really held that precious and I think that comes from years of going to the conventions and doing like autograph signings and stuff and just seeing and talking to all these fans in general but specifically she was aware of the women who especially with the original films you know where Leia was the only female hero like that in these movies Um, and what that meant Um, and so she was always conscious of that I mean she you know I I don't want to um because I can feel her her middle finger descending from the heavens, so I, I don't want to uh, uh, wax on too much. Wax on too much, and I, I also I wrote this. I wrote the character as it needed to be written mm-hmm. in the script, and so um, not because I want to take credit for it, but the opposite because I don't want to uh, offend Carrie by implying that it's exactly what she would have wanted. I right, think right. you know, uh, it, she so. It's not like we sat down at the beginning and she said, this is what Leia should be, and I yeah. wrote that, you know. Um, but once we started getting into it and knocking our heads together, she – I mean, it's impossible not to get her into that, that character, you know. When's the last time you saw her? I saw her 60th birthday. So that was just, yeah, a few months before she passed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned this new trilogy that you guys are working on. Um, do you worry at all about spending too much time – within this universe uh not that you know yeah, yeah. You're, you're in danger of it but just you know 
not that you feel this way about Peter Jackson's involvement in the Middle Earth movies, but mm. I think maybe there's some sense in some quarters that he overstayed the welcome there. And there mm. could be a danger, I guess, of uh, just wallowing in something that you love a little too much for too long. Do, do you I, think about that at all? Or? No, I think the only danger is if you, if you make – you know, if I made a boring movie, <laughs> that would be that would be bad. Mm-hmm. Right now, I no, I, I I I can't relate to that fear at all because right now I feel nothing but just giddy excitement at the possibilities. And to me, right now, it doesn't. You know, intellectually, I can understand what you're talking about, like in yeah. terms of a weight of oh my god, I'm going to be in Star Wars for the next ten. Years. That I inside i can't I, there's zero of that it's yeah. just feeling like oh my god the possibilities of a the possibilities of a story on this kind of canvas with this kind of potential and something that will uh um something that will make the the gears engage in the way that I feel from a good Star Wars movie, you know, the emotion of it and the impact of it and the fun of it and all of the different ingredients that can go into it and using that to tell one story that can really have an impact. Um, I'm, no, I feel like it's everything I ever wanted to make movies to do, you know. Yeah. I was sort of over the moon when I saw that announcement because of just the notion of doing all new material because – these movies, I mean, it's this galaxy, right? And understandably, you have to kind of whip things back into perspective. This is, this is the world. Here's the characters that we knew. Here's the the settings that we're aware of. But it sort of it, it could feel like treading water, and it's like there's this whole galaxy to do. And so this idea of doing like hmm. all new stories is fantastic, and it's it's good to know that things are going to push in those directions. I mean, I'm I'm excited about it. I think that, I will say that, you know, like, for instance, with The Last Jedi, like, it's not like, um, I don't know. I feel like with any story, hopefully, if you're actually, like, putting your foot on the gas and doing doing what you got to do with it, I don't know. Like, I... And I say this having made the really conscious choice of let's set this someplace else and someplace new. So obviously there's something that appeals to me about that. But um, working with these established characters that we've seen before, it hasn't. It's not like it's felt like turning the monkey grinder wheel or mm-hmm. like it's felt like a yoke on my shoulder on your, my shoulders. If because anytime you come into any story, whether it's pre-existing characters, stuff we're familiar with or not. You're taking them to new places. You're engaging with them new. You're getting inside their head. They're mm-hmm. in a different place. So, um, you know, I think any story that uh, works is a story that works. You know? Sure. Um, I don't know. I'm yeah. speaking as a fan. I mean, when it's yeah, like, yeah, you know, I get. It. I know we're going to do a Han yeah. Solo movie now. We're going to yeah. do a Boba Fett movie now. It's like, but there's this whole other. Well, so this is know. exciting. You know? Yeah, I'm excited. Be excited about a good Boba Fett movie. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Uh, you know, you've you've already kind of shot down the notion that this is like a Knights of the Old Republic. People got excited that maybe that was it. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there nevertheless anything in that pre-existing canon that you are interested in exploring? I mean, there's so much cool stuff in all of it. I'm, I, I mean, honestly, and I totally get, you know, um, especially people who are hardcore fans of that. I understand. I totally get, like, feeling the potential of all that stuff and thinking and, and also that your mind immediately goes to, I want to see more of what I've already seen you know there's just something that i get that as as a fan um but i mean for me honestly i'm i don't know i'm 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 uh, what gets me excited is um 
what gets me excited is story, I guess, and and that has a lot less to do with where it's set and what elements it uses than it does what it's about and what the main journey it's about is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what for me has me really excited. So mm-hmm. as to where it's going to be, when it's going to be. Still figuring that out in a way that feels like the least important aspect of it to me. You yeah. Know? Um, so it's more about what it's going to be. I think. For did, me. did you consume a lot of that early? I played the Knights of the Old Republic games and was really, really <coughs> into them. I completed the the games, and uh, so that's a lot of hours. It's a long. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I watched the I YouTube cutscenes. That was like six hours worth I know, right there. It's, it's a whole long thing, and it's but it's fantastic, and it came at a time where it was really. A meaningful engagement with Star Wars for me. It was like, ah, oh, this is really cool, mm. and um, and also the fact that it was the first thing or one of the first things where your choices actually influenced yeah. the path your character was going to take, and that was groundbreaking at the time. Totally. It was really something. Um, I I never I, I'm less familiar with the extended universe stuff. I was never never really consumed all the books. I've since gotten up to speed somewhat on it, but. Um, Again, for me, it's you know I don't know. For me, it's 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 about it's about the story. So yeah. it's about coming up with a new story. And just out of curiosity, yeah. you, was was uh, one of the things you eventually read the Darth Bane trilogy? No, I haven't read the Darth Bane. That's my trilogy. favorite thing yeah. out of all of that. Yeah. It is so Brandon awesome, Darth it's like, Bane. <laughs> I know he's a fan favorite. <laughs> Check it out. All right. So, uh, what are you eager to do once you kind of pivot away from the galaxy? Mm. You know, what's what feels like. You mean twenty years from now, <laughs> <laughs> when they finally release you? Well, no, I do have. I mean, the thing is, it's that's the other thing with these next three movies is figuring out timing-wise how it's going to work, which we don't know yet. I, I've got a couple smaller films that I've just had. I've got the thing I was working on before this. I've got mm-hmm. a few other things that I would love to figure out a way to make. You know, not ten years from now. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we'll see. But I've, I've, uh, I've, I've definitely, outside of Star Wars, got a couple other things that I'm, I would love to do. Um, have you had any time to work on developing that stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we actually had because we, you know, we finished the movie, the we finished Last Jedi a couple months ago. So I've had this very odd lull. <laughs> and that's only in the past few weeks. I can't believe that server hasn't started. been hacked. And I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's uh, it's Disney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, they they got locked down. Yeah, well, every day though, I was holding my breath. And believe me, I was holding my breath every day. Whether you know a big leak was going to have the whole script was going to go online <laughs> or something like that. But we've been very very lucky in that regard. So anyway, yeah. So I've had a couple months now to just kind of get my head in the space of you know. Can I can I get a couple other little things kind of good thought of yeah and then last thing uh, you mentioned there USC alum mm-hmm. I went there for grad school actually so yeah. fight on <laughs> um, being able to premiere this movie at the Shrine yeah has to be awesome it's a right? trip man I remember uh, God I can remember as a film student going across to the shrine to one of the conventions there and we saw uh sam raimi give a little presentation for quick and the dead Mm. and uh he's you know is was one of my favorite filmmakers i was just obsessed with sam raimi and at that point i still am and he's uh and 
I don't know. <laughs> I remember all of us trooping over there. It doesn't have anything to do with Star Wars <laughs> at the premiere. I just, I, I'm just You're gonna have reveling in the memory of memories. Sam Raimi making dad jokes when he introduced <laughs> his. <laughs> he literally is wearing a tie and he put on his glasses and so that his tie went like back behind his glasses. <laughs> and then he waved his arms in the air and said, "Oh, who turned out the lights?" <laughs> it was so good, and we were all just like, "Oh, we love this man so much. He's so great." Uh, it's it's gonna I I don't know man right now I'm you know this is gonna be literally the first time an audience sees the movie you know because of the way these things are we don't test screen them yeah I've never shown it to a group bigger than ten or fifteen friends um, so I'm less I'm thinking a lot less about the venue right now and a lot more about oh my god <laughs> are, are the jokes gonna play. <laughs> Get your dad jokes ready. Yeah, exactly. I got them. Well, the movie's called Star Wars The Last Jedi. It opens uh, December 15th. Uh, I'm pretty sure you'll you'll be hearing about it. So, uh, <laughs> For platform releasing. I think it's yeah. at the Angelica, and I think it's in the Sunset 5. they got to build awareness. Look for it, yeah. So uh, make sure you check it out. Ryan Johnson, really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Chris. When I found you, Raw, untamed power. And beyond that, something truly special. always been there. But now it's awake. And I need help. I've seen this raw strength only once before. It didn't scare me enough then. It does now. Kill it. If you have to. That's the only way to become what you were meant to be.